Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. All right. Man, that song is good, isn't it? Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. So um, today we are, we are actually going to look at the same passage we looked at last week. And we have some exciting uh, announcements maybe, um, some exciting things we're going to be launching into as a church. But as I stated last week, this, this is the final sermon in our series on rhythms and disciplines. Um, so some of you are very happy about that. Um, and uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm ready to, to move on and, and get into Advent um, next week. But, um, but we're capping off this series, I think, in a really important and impactful way. Um, just to recap the series, for the last 10 weeks, we've used 1 Timothy 4-7 as our emphasis verse that, that instructs us to, um, to prepare ourselves, to, to train ourselves for godliness, for righteousness. We impact the spiritual disciplines of scripture, intake, prayer, worship, stewardship, service, slowing, silence, and solitude. And then last week, we looked at evangelism. Last week, we learned that all believers, every one of us, if you're a believer and follower of Christ, you are sent by Christ to make disciples of him. And that Jesus ultimately guides and empowers us in that disciple-making endeavor. Today, we are going to further unpack the Great Commission, maybe from a different angle, and we're going to talk about a church-wide strategy to be disciple-makers. At least this is kind of the first part of that. Um, So I'm excited. I want to invite you to stand as we read God's Word. As I stated last week, this is the moment after Jesus' resurrection, around 40 days after Jesus gathers all of his followers on a mountain in Galilee, and at that he gives his final command to his people. That's what this is. It's called the Great Commission. God's word says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, as we further unpack your call upon our lives, as we see how you've invited us into your story. Lord, I just, I ask that you speak to each one of us and that you use this time to galvanize your people around your good news, your gospel, and that we be people who leave here commissioned and sent into our mission field, not just dismissed, but people who are sent. Help us to see that, Father. Help us to embrace that. Lord, I ask that you excite us towards what you're doing all around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Please take a seat. Okay, so last week I had mentioned that the Great Commission, what we just read, was my favorite passage of Scripture. I've got a lot of um, passages that that contend for my favorite, but this one is consistently, if you ask me, what is my, my go-to verse, my favorite passage of Scripture, it is this. And some of you scratched your head. You're like, why, why would this passage be the passage that is your favorite? And so I just kind of want to unpack that before we launch into the rest of the sermon, because I think this will set up the rest really well. So the reason why this is my favorite passage of Scripture is because we have to remember what God is doing. See, in the beginning, God created everything, and his creation was good. On the sixth day, after creating human beings as the pinnacle of creation, God said that his creation was very good. He made humans to live Um, on his earth that he created, and we were to be in perfect communion and relationship with him. We were made as his image bearers to reflect his goodness and his glory to the rest of creation, and we were stewards of his creation, his good creation. The idea I want to focus on is the relationship, the communion. So we were made to live, all the way at the beginning, we were made to live in communion with God where we were perfectly fulfilled and perfectly satisfied to the uttermost, and it wasn't because of things from this world. It wasn't because of other people, but it was because of our relationship with God, that he was the one that satisfied us and fulfilled us to the uttermost, and that we lived in perfect community with him. It was perfect and abiding and good and loving and fulfilling and satisfying relationship with God. But unfortunately, if you have read the first, chap- first three chapters of the Bible, then you know what happens. That relationship was broken. Humans, Adam and Eve, all the way at the beginning, defied God. And they desired actually to become like God themselves. They rebelled against God and they usurped his authority And they rebelled against and defied his good design and his laws. We call this sin. That's what sin is. It's anything we think, do, or say that defies God's good rules or design. Romans 3.23, you might be familiar with it. It says that everyone, all have sinned and fallen short of God's beautiful and glorious standard. Every one of us. There's no one that's outside of that. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And all the way at the beginning, we see that in Adam and Eve. And sin, because it is defiance against God, broke our relationship with God. And as a result, because we are stewards of God's good creation, then the brokenness entered in with us. So we have brokenness and pain and death All of it entered into the created order because of sin. And here's the scary thing. Scripture makes it really clear that we live in a world of brokenness because of sin, and there is nothing that we can do on our own 
to get out of it. Nothing. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much we clean ourselves up. It doesn't matter how good we think we are. There's nothing we can do that will ever fix our own brokenness. We can't do it. And the really scary thing is that if we die separated from God in our brokenness, then we die and are eternally separated from God in that brokenness. The Bible calls that hell. We could parse out what that looks like another time. But the reality is that there is nothing that we can do on our own to fix ourselves, and the unfortunate result of that is that we will go to hell for eternity. But there's good news, right? So we see all of that at the beginning. First three chapters of the Bible reveals this. And then there's good news that comes about. In, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God gives a prophecy. He says what he's going to do all the way at the beginning. He says that he's going to send a Savior who will defeat evil and death for us. All the way at the beginning of Scripture. And then the rest of the Bible is God's grand story of how he's unfolding this, this plan of redemption. And so God begins to do that. And we see that in, in Genesis, he chooses a man out from the, the rest of the people in the world named Abraham. And, and this man is, is the one he makes a covenant with to, to have a covenant people through whom he would eventually bring this Savior. And we see the Bible is just, it's just a grand story to a large degree of what God has done and what he's doing. Of how he's bringing about that redemption. He, he brings um, prophets to, to prepare the hearts of the people. He brings kings to, to foreshadow what the ultimate and perfect and good king will be in the Savior. And then, at just the right moment, and we'll learn more about the just the right moment in the coming weeks leading up to Christmas. But at just the right moment, God brought his Messiah, Christ Jesus, the Lord. When he arrived, people thought that he would establish an earthly kingdom. You know, surely, now that, now that Jesus is here, he's going to fix all the things that were broken, right? So all of it was broken by sin. Now, now that the Christ is here, he's going to fix all that. And we will no longer live in a world that's broken. So go ahead and, and take over the government and, and establish your reign. And as the good king, you're going to fix it all, right? Well, that isn't what Jesus came to do. See, Jesus came down to earth. Not to establish a, an earthly government, at least not yet. Jesus came to pay for the sins of the world. And he did that by living sinlessly on earth. Something you could not do. No one else has done. Therefore, he did not deserve death. And yet he went to the cross on your behalf dying the death that you deserve for your sin and rebellion against God. And since he paid the penalty for you, all you need to do is trust his payment. 
<laughs> That's good news, isn't it? He paid it for you. And then in, in proving his victory over sin and over death, he was gloriously resurrected on the third day, what we just sang about. And then after he was gloriously resurrected, he spent around 40 days on earth and he hung out with his disciples and whatnot. And then at the end of that 40 days, he gathered all of his disciples together, as I mentioned earlier, at, at a mountain in Galilee. And when he was there, he gave them some, some commands, one in particular. And so he gathered them all together. And his disciples thought, surely, surely now is the moment, right? Jesus came, he went to the cross, he's been resurrected. Surely now is the moment that he's going to establish his kingdom. And the answer is, yes, he, he is going to establish his kingdom, but it was a different way than the disciples thought. So I want you to look with me at Acts 1. I'll have, we'll have it on the screen. Verses 6 through 11. This is that encounter. This is on the mountain. Um, from Luke's account in the book of Acts. Verse 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So we see there's this idea of the earthly kingdom. Now you've been resurrected. So are you going to do this? Are you going to establish this earthly kingdom? And Jesus said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So it, it will happen. There will be a physical reign. But in the in-between, Jesus says this, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus is coming back. But here's the thing. This is our Great Commission interaction. And I want to pull up for you why this is my favorite passage of scripture in Matthew 28. So Jesus gathers all of his followers together. And, and he tells them his grand plan for establishing his kingdom. That, that's what this is. He, he tells them his grand plan for establishing his kingdom. And his grand plan, you know what it is? It's to use nobodies. Ordinary people. People like you, people like me. God's grand plan for, for reaching the nations, what he promised he would do through Abraham, that the whole world would be blessed, that, that the world would come to belief in Yahweh, the God of Israel. The way that God would unfold this grand plan of redemption is through nobodies, through you and I. This is why I get excited about this passage. Because the Great Commission is God's beautiful invitation for us to step into our purpose. That's what this is. We get to, by Christ's authority and commission to us, we get to be his ambassadors and heralds. We get to join in the grand story of redemption that God has been unfolding since the beginning. 
we get to be a part of that. So this is my, my first point this morning. And it's at the end of the point, but we are invited into the story. The Great Commission takes us from being spectators in the stands to actors on the stage. We've been invited into the story. We have a role to play in this. I've brought up so many times how Christianity is not a spectator sport. So many of us, we, we often can tell ourselves that our goal, what we're supposed to do is just live a good life and maybe show up to church every once in a while on Sunday. And that, that's all we're supposed to do. If we just do that, then things are good. And we could see here that, that God has something so much better for us. So, so much more. So much more fulfilling. So much more satisfying. We're invited into the game to get our hands dirty, to be a part of the grand story that's unfolding God is still working in our world. He's still saving in our world. He is still healing. He's still restoring. And he is doing that to a large degree and primarily through his people. If you read the Bible, if you have known much of Scripture, you see that um, in the book of Acts, it starts this way with, with the Great Commission in Acts 1-8 where Jesus tells his followers to do that. And then the rest of the story of Acts, the rest of the book is, is his disciples doing that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they go out into the world and, and this, this Jesus movement starts really small with, with a few hundred people on a mountaintop. And within around 300 years, it took over the known, the known world. It's amazing. And, and the story of Acts is uh, Acts one, chapters 1 through 28 is, uh, is this, what the, what the apostles are doing. And then at the end of Acts, Acts ends, and it's not like, all right, God did it, everything's over. But it ends with this anticipation that, that Acts 28 is, is finished, but that's because there's an Acts 29. That you and I are Acts 29. That, that we take up the mantle that, that has been given to the apostles, we, we pick that up and we carry it into our world. That you are sent by Jesus. The story is still being written. You're an actor on the stage. I don't know about you, but that gets me really excited. Because I can't think of anything better to do in my entire life than be a part of what God is doing. Point two this morning is that the harvest is plentiful. You know this passage. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Jesus says this. And Jesus went uh, throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Last week, we unpacked some different and demystified evangelism a little bit. If you weren't here last week, if you haven't listened to that sermon, I encourage you to go back. You can find it online, find it on our website, and listen to it. But one of the things that I feel like many of us struggle with in evangelism, which is sharing the good news of Jesus with people, is that many of us forget that everyone around us is a sheep without a shepherd. You're not their shepherd. Jesus is their shepherd. But they're, they're sheep without a shepherd. No matter how convinced uh, they try, how much they try to convince us that they're fine. No matter, uh, no matter what their social media feed looks like. No matter how perfect their life looks like on the outside. No matter how much money they have. No matter what it is, everyone that you encounter is broken, is hurting, is harassed as the passage says, and is seeking wholeness. And I feel like, if you're anything like me, I can forget sometimes that I'm actually, as a believer and follower of Christ, carrying the exact thing that they are searching for. I can forget that. I convince myself that their life's fine. I know I'm not alone in that. But if we look around at our world, we see very quickly that everyone is broken. No matter what they project on the outside, no matter what facade they put on, everyone is broken. And they may not realize it yet. They may not realize it at all. But they are desperately searching for wholeness in one way or another. But the truth is that wholeness cannot come apart from Christ. It can't. Every other thing we try to do is someone who's broken trying to fix their own brokenness. No matter what fix we conjure up, it's going to be a broken fix. The only way for us to be made whole is for the maker, the one outside of us, to mend us. And through Christ and by faith in him, we can have that. And so I, I say this to say, as this passage says, all around us is a world full of people who want what you carry. And maybe Satan has convinced you otherwise. Maybe you've been convinced that people actually don't really want to know the good news of Jesus, but I can promise you they do. So I, I, I encourage you with the fact that the harvest is plentiful, as Jesus says. But the question is, are you willing to be a laborer? Okay, so point three this morning, and then we'll get into why on earth I have a whiteboard up here. <laughs> so point three is go make disciples. It's exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, making disciples is the goal, as I brought up last week. I, I kind of said, and hopefully I conveyed it in the right way, that uh, we're, we're, our desire is to make disciples, not just converts. And I, I state it that way because I want us to have the, the right kind of goal in mind, that, that our goal is to make disciples of Jesus, um, not just to get them to say a special prayer or something like that, but for them to, to turn from their sin and to follow Christ. But here's the thing, 
making disciples starts with sharing the gospel. That's where it starts. So I want you to look at Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. It might be a passage you're familiar with. Paul writes and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or proclaiming? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach or proclaim the good news. What he's bringing out here is this idea that discipleship starts with the proclamation of who Jesus is and what he's done for someone, the good news of Jesus. Um, that's where it begins. Our goal is ultimately to make disciples, but we, we carry this message and we proclaim it. It makes me think of how many people feel like they're not called to preach. <laughs> you know, they think that like the pastor, he's the only one that's called to preach. And, um, and then all, everyone else is not called to preach. And, and yeah, I just want to point out, here's, we can see here in Romans, Jesus tells us to make disciples. And then in Romans, Paul brings up, well, how can people become a disciple of Jesus unless someone is sent to preach the good news to them? I, I'm just going to let you know, I'm not walking in your workplace to go preaching. I'm not, I'm not going all, all the places you're going to go. God has sent preachers, and you look around to your left and right. You're sitting amongst them. You are a preacher. You're carrying the good news of Jesus with you if you're a believer and follower of Christ. And so I am aware that uh, many of us feel weird about sharing the gospel because some of us haven't done it before. Maybe you've been trained, you, you received like a training a long time ago of how to share the gospel. I'm not trying to, um, to, to you know, replace that or anything like that. But I want to share with you an A method of how to share the gospel. And then we're, I'm going to use the whiteboard in a second. And then I'm going to talk to you about why we have these lights over here. Because um, we have some exciting things that are coming up. So I want to play for you a video. Um, have you guys ever heard of the three circles before? Some of you have. Some of you haven't. Um, I want you to watch this video, and I think it'll illuminate a little bit. Has anyone shared you the three circles before? Have you heard of the three? three circles before? Has anyone ever shared the three circles with you? Before. No. No. So this is the first circle. So this represents the world that's broken. All of us live in a broken world. You only have to turn on the news and see... Suffering, death. War, sickness. Rape, disease, it's everywhere, right? But you know, God didn't actually create the world to be like this full of brokenness, eh? Here's the second circle. This circle represents God's perfect design. God's perfect design was a world without brokenness. A world full of love. Full of joy and peace yeah. and unity. But what we did was we sinned. Sin could be anything from lying, lying to murder. To murder. Wait, so like, just like normal lying or like hard lying? And what sin did, it separated us from God's perfect design and threw us into brokenness. And so people try all kinds of different things. 
to get out of brokenness. You might try drugs or alcohol. Or maybe chasing a career or money. Smoking. Even bullying other people at school. Oh, sleeping suicide. around. Suicide, exactly. A good example. But it doesn't actually fix the problem of brokenness. It's like a bungee cord. We just get snapped straight back into brokenness. And ultimately, if people die in that state of brokenness and separate from God, and that means that that's eternal separation from God. Do you know what this place is often called? Yes. What God did was he didn't want to leave us in that place. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus was God, so yeah. he had no sin. And when he died and rose again, he actually took on all of our sin and cancelled it like he crushed it. He said if we would turn away from our sin and believe in Jesus and make Jesus and the Lord of our life, we become restored. restored back into God's original design. And you become a new creation, a new person in Christ. And will restore us back into relationship with Him. So there's only two kinds of people in this world, people that are in brokenness or God's perfect design. Where would you see yourself? Probably right there, to be honest. I'd be sick of it. I'm not sure. Love? Brokenness? Possibly love. The bungee stage. <laughs> yeah, the same. And where would, would you, you like, like to be? So where would you like to be? You'd like to be here? Yeah. Yeah. Right One of God. So here? So is there anything that's stopping you? From turning and, and believing in Jesus? And allow Him to be Lord and King of your life? Stubbornness? Probably not. Probably we, to be honest. Nothing's stopping me. You know the awesome news about Jesus? He is the only way out. If you try to clean yourself up before coming to Jesus, it's like trying to get clean before you take a shower. Oh, I see, yeah, I get that. Is there anything stopping you? We shared the three circles with 34 people. Four were already believers. 13 chose to remain in brokenness, but some were deeply impacted. And 17 wanted to leave brokenness and receive Christ. There are many powerful ways to share the gospel, and the three circles is a great place to start. Is anyone changing the free? We'll just keep rolling it, right? Um, so here's the thing. Uh, I don't know. You maybe have never seen the three circles before. It's one of my favorite ways to share the gospel. Um, the reason why is because it's so relatable. Um, it, 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 people see the brokenness in our world, and they very easily can see how God rescues us from this brokenness. And it stories through the gospel in a way that just makes people, as that, that one lady in the video said, oh, I get this. I, I've shared it with people plenty of times, and, and I've seen that light bulb come on for many people. Like I've, in fact, I've had people say, um, well, what kind of church are you from? Because I've never heard this before. <laughs> like, it's sad that you've never heard this before, but this is the good news of Jesus. And so I, I, uh, this, is what we are, uh, this is what we're sent to share is the good news of Jesus. You may have learned a different method of sharing the gospel, and I'm not trying to, to get you to get away from doing that, but I, I want to just teach us all how to do this and if you've never been taught how to share the gospel. And so you might have in your bulletin, you notice there, were, there weren't like notes in the bulletin today. Um, that's because I want you to grab a pen if you have one nearby. There should be one on the chair in front of you. And I want you to follow along as I do it on the whiteboard. You can see their video is three minutes long. It doesn't take long to share the gospel with the three circles. And 
Um, and this is just a great outline for sharing the gospel, whether you physically show them withdrawing it or whether you use that outline in your mind to share it. But here we go. Can you guys, uh, can you see that okay? All right. Well, sorry if you can't see it very well. Um, so we live in a world of brokenness, do we not? Yes. So one time I was in line at, at Ross and a lady behind me said, this world is crazy. And I, did, I should have used that as a moment to be like, yes, it is. And did you know that God didn't design it that way, right? I could have, could have used that as an opportunity. People see brokenness everywhere. Well, what are some ways that we see brokenness? You can ask them that question. What are ways we see that the world is broken? Oh, man, we see, we see death. We see disease. We see natural disasters. We see um, evil all around us. And yet, the world was not made to be that way. In fact, at the beginning, God made the world beautiful, whole, perfect, and humans were created to live in communion, community, perfect relationship with God, where the world did not have death. The world did not have brokenness. Um, and we still see glimpses of God's good and perfect design at the beginning. We still see that in our world. Um, there are many ways we see that. Maybe it's in a baby's laughter. Maybe it's at sunrise or sunset. We can see uh, aspects of God's good design, but ultimately the world is truly broken. And God didn't design it that way, and that's because we decided to leave the world of bro uh, God's good design and enter the world of brokenness because of our sin. Sin is anything we think, do, or say that defies God's good design or laws. It can be something as small as lying. It can be something as big as murder. The Bible tells us that everyone